Hello, my scrummy little friends. Welcome to Scrummy Handshakes. This is Sheldon, and I'll be your guide on the world of all things Bake Off. Oh my gosh, where to start? Okay, so last time we talked, uh, what we're going to do, uh, I was looking at a couple different episodes. I said, okay, I'm going to go season one, wedding cakes. I'm curious how Paul and Mary would make a wedding cake. Well, okay, well, I was surprised. It was actually a almost like a reunion episode for the top three. So that's what we were faced with. When, oh, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm watching this. Now, here's the, the rub is... I had gone back, if you remember way back many episodes ago, um, we had started to go down season one, and I believe it was like the professionals came on. And we jumped out of season one and went right to the professionals. So Sheldon here has not even seen all of season one, but this was kind of a spoiler for me because the three finalists came in, so I kind of know who's won it now. I'll still go back and watch it and probably do those episodes eventually, but okay, now I know kind of who the winners were, but... Anyway, so before we get to all that, oh my gosh, so many things. First of all, this is the 40th episode of uh, Scrummy Handshakes. So that's obviously worth all the celebrating, right? Um, let's see, baking this week. I did a lot of baking this week. It was mostly simpler things like cookies, but I uh, mixed things up a little bit. I, you know... Did my chocolate chip cookies, didn't put any nuts in them. Tried a, a different recipe that had multiple flavor kind of chips in them. Uh, I went back to the, okay, so I went back to the well for uh, a recipe that I'd done a while back on some double chocolate chip cookies. These were really good. They were, uh, they had uh, two kinds of chocolate chips, white and semi-sweet, as well as two kinds of nuts, which I love nuts in almost anything. It had cashews as well as uh, pecans. Um, or pecans, depends where you're from in the U.S., how you say that. And so I went back to those. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm just going to say it. I I need to slow down and think. Um, I Okay, I'm just going to fully on admit this. I'm making these cookies, and I'm doing all the things. I'm, I'm whipping. I want to go fast because I, I know these cookies whip up quick. There's not a lot of that goes into them. You just kind of... You, melt, you use melted butter, so you didn't have to wait, you didn't let the butter sit out. So that was great. I whipped it all together, grabbed a batch, put them, tossed them in the oven real quick, and I'm like, oh, damn it. I forgot my baking soda. So I stop everything. I pull, I pull them out of the oven. I do this. I pull them out of the oven. I quickly throw everything back together in the bowl and toss a baking soda in there just to try and save something here because uh, I, I, I was going to be in trouble. I don't know how I forget. Well, you know what? I know how I forget them. This recipe called for cornstarch. And I had a little thing, and I take my cornstarch, I put it in a little, little thing and put it in the, in the thing, and it looks like baking soda to me. So I didn't even think. I thought it was my baking soda when I put it in the bowl. I forgot it had cornstarch as well. So I tell you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess, guys, when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> Just need to think more. But so I, I finished the batch. And they actually, they didn't do, of course they didn't, you know, I, I, even though I got the baking soda in there, things are kind of messed up at this point. And, uh, but they did make a pretty decent cookie. It was more, definitely more fudgy than these cookies should be. These cookies have a rise to them and they're kind of almost, they're not a drop cookie, but they're, they're kind of high, uh, a high cookie. And you know what I mean? From a, from a height perspective uh, and they don't spread out too much but these ones without with the, with the late baking soda addition 
had a little more spread to them and they were definitely fudgier than the other one. So I made a second batch. And so uh, they, again, both tasted pretty decent. So I took both batches and I wrote one more fudgy and one more fluffy. And so I had two different kinds of the same cookies. Maybe I've discovered a new cookie. I've, like, you know, some people like fudgy brownies. Some people like kind of more fluffy brownies. Maybe I've got this little thing now, a little bit of either leave the baking soda out or maybe use like half the baking soda. I wonder how it was going to turn out. So I may experiment now because both cookies seem to go over just fine. Um, and uh, so anyways, that was my uh, snafu of the week. Uh, I did make a cake. I, I want to make more cakes. I'm trying to, um, you know, get out, you know, stretch beyond some cookies. You know, I've, I've stretched, I've done a few things you know I'm, I'm not i'm not i'm moving a little bit tiny past my rookie phase um i've done a few things i made some puff pastry and pie crust pie crust is really good things like that uh, i've made a couple of cakes as you may have remember they've come out okay my cupcakes seem to do okay i'm trying to like a bunt cake that came out super dense uh, i made a carrot cake that wasn't bad it does did seem a little dense though uh so this one uh i bought some cake flour and um it used Okay, so I found this recipe in one of the books I have. It used eight egg yolks, not even the whites, which the whites, you know, can, you know, I know whites can dry things up, but they can also cause some rise and stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of egg, egg yolk. Um, but I made the cake. It looked pretty darn good in, in the thing. Again, it didn't quite rise as much as I expected it to. I guess when I think of a, of a cake, um, I, I, I kind of think of a nice fluffy and and it's kind of high uh, is what I wanted. Um, but anyways, uh, it, it, and the recipe I had, um, well, I'm sorry, the recipe didn't call this. I, I was looking at different icings to make or frostings, whatever you want to call it. And I said, well, I'm going to try Swiss buttercream. I don't know. I had some egg whites left over from the, the, uh, the recipe I was making and it called for that. And I said, okay, I'll try this. And I made it and... Um, it, it didn't, I think it came out. Okay. I think it came out how it was supposed to. Um, I don't know. I, I again, it, it's hard for me because I didn't have a reference point. I thought maybe it, it split. I, I'm not sure, but it, it came together. It, it seemed to come together and I used it. I made my cake and I frosted it. I'll be honest. So I just didn't care for it. The flavor of it. Um, it didn't have enough for me. I, when I put frosting or whatever on a cake, I kind of want it to have um, that level of sweetness and kind of almost mouth the mouth feel. It was a Swiss buttercream again. It was, it was super light, um, almost whipped creamy in a way, a little more than that, I guess. But I don't know. I just didn't love it. I didn't think it was great. And the cake itself, my wife said it was fine. Um, I'm a harsh critic of myself. I thought it was a little on the dry side, which disappointed me because I had a lot of moisture in that cake with the egg yolks. And uh, I don't know. I just kind of, so I'm going to give myself like a B to a B minus on this cake. It wasn't bad, but I'll be honest. I ate personally like one slice of it. And I said, meh, I don't know. I didn't love it. So I'm going to find a different recipe. I didn't like that recipe. I, I, I expected more from it, I think, than, you know, and, and who knows how much of it was me versus the recipe itself. You know, I, I can't blame a recipe um, that I haven't seen other people try, I guess. But uh, I don't know. So lots of baking this week in, 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 in summary there. 
I have so many notes for this episode, guys. I'm sorry. I'll try to go and get through some, but I got some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, okay, so remember I, I, I reported that the Roku app was kind of wonky and only gave me certain episodes. Well, it seemed whatever happened, something got refreshed because all the episodes are back. And so big sigh of relief from my perspective. We can watch all the Bake Off episodes uh, from history there on the Roku channel. Uh, I did see that there is a new season of The Professionals coming out. Now, I know some people don't love The Professionals, and I, I struggled with it too a little bit. Um, I don't know. It kind of grew on me, though. Kind of grew on me. Um, and what I noticed, though, is they have new, uh, I'm calling them hosts. Not, the, the judges are still uh, Cheris and, and Benoit, uh, which, you know, fine. You know, I think... They both grew on me over time. I, I, I guess I kind of had to get the vibe and the feel from them. Um, I liked them more as the season went on. Um, you know, like anything, we have to adapt. But Liam is still there, but Tom is not. And I'm going to say, you know, I'm okay with that. You know, nothing, like, I hate to sound, I don't want to sound like a meanie. Um, Tom just wasn't my favorite. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I didn't love their dynamic. I don't know. I kind of wanted something different, but this it looks like a brand new host altogether. Again, unless I've missed something in base, Bake Off history, Ellie Jane Taylor is her name. She's British. Uh, of course, right? British baking show. Um, she is a comedian. Uh, she was on 2011's Show Me the Funny, which is apparently I've never heard of, but it, it's, it's, it's a British show. That's kind of like X Factor. You, I assume it's about comedians competing. Uh, she has, uh, done a whole bunch of other shows, eight out of 10 cats, uh, mock of the week or a couple, she's on a new show called cheat, I think in, uh, on UK television. Uh, she's done a whole bunch of standup specials. She has been on Netflix. Apparently, I guess there was like a, a global showcase thing she did there. Uh, history of her. She's kind of, you know, she wrote a book. Okay. okay I like her already. <laughs> I don't know. It's called the new book is my child and other mistakes. <laughs> okay. Okay, I can laugh. If she can if she can laugh at that, I can laugh at that. So I, I think I'm gonna like her. Uh it's a Sunday Times bestseller, by the way. She's married to Phil Black, who is a CNN international reporter, freelance reporter, uh, has covered the UK Ukraine conflict as well as a bunch of other things. He is Australian, I believe, by uh, my nature. They have one daughter. So I'm excited uh, to, about that. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I'm trying to think if we're gonna get that here in the States at the same time or shortly after how it's going to work. I'm going to keep an eye on it. Uh, but um, so it was fun. A new season that's on the way starts July 4th, which is U S independence day. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, coincidental or not. I don't know. We'll see, but uh, <laughs> no Tom this year, Ellie Jane Taylor, check her out. I, I think she's going to be kind of an, an interesting flair from, from what I've seen. All right. So this episode, first, let me start with, Spoiler alert, okay? I'm going to tell you right in just a second here who the winners of season one were. If you have for some reason not watched those, you might want to go and watch that that season and, and before you kind of jump in because you're going to hear in just a second who the three finalists were um, before I jump into the episode around wedding cake. So if you haven't uh, seen the season yet and care not to know, Now's the time to maybe stop this episode and go watch, okay? The Great British Wedding Cake. Um, again, I'd expected it to be like a masterclass. It's the only kind of bonus episode. Well, I guess they ever revisited in season one, but then there was a, I thought this was going to be like masterclass where Paul and uh, Mary were going to make cake, but no, they take the top three, Ruth, Miranda, and Ed. 
I should have said spoiler alert there. Uh, I assume most people that listen to this have watched Bake Off in the old seasons and stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, maybe I'll go back and add spoiler alert right before that. Uh, just so I don't give it away to someone that hasn't watched it. Uh, but anyways, they were the three finalists from the season. Uh, they are, this is a, ended up being a, it's a two-part challenge. Uh, they make a traditional wedding cake, which we'll get into in just a second, because this is British traditional, not, I would say, U.S. traditional. Um, and then they make their own contemporary wedding cake, and there's kind of two challenges. Uh, this show also went into a whole ton of history. I'm going to hit on some of it. I'll do it kind of maybe, maybe between the two cakes. So we'll talk about cake number one and, and how they went about it, and then cake number number two, you know, uh, We'll talk a little about the history and the other things they talked about, and then we'll do the second cake and kind of a result there. Um, a little, little, little couple nuggets that came out, you know, and Paul and, and Mary were talking. But getting Mary apparently made her own wedding cake. Um, of course, it looked fantastic. Uh, it was a fruited cake with royal icing, which threw me about fruited cake with royal icing. Okay, whatever. Um, but as we find out in just a few minutes here, that's traditional British cake, wedding cake which kind of blew my mind a little bit, but there's a reason. There's a whole history behind it. Paul did not make his own cake. He was too busy that week, apparently. <laughs> Go figure it. And they showed a picture of him at his wedding. Holy smokes, he just looks so different. Just He still had the goatee. Just, his hair is dark. Um, you know, it's a little little trimmer, a little more svelte as we all were maybe back then. But uh, it just it took me a little bit by surprise what he looked like, how young he looked and stuff. Um, anyway, so anyways, challenge one. A three-tier fruited wedding cake with marzipan and white icing. Right, I think probably white. It was royal icing. I just wrote down white icing. They had eleven hours to make this, which apparently, you know, I've never made a wedding cake. I probably, I never say never, but it's unlikely I'll go down that road. Uh, but it seems like so long to make something. Uh, I don't know. I mean, just from like. I can't imagine standing in a kitchen and doing all that work for like 11 hours. Um, but I guess, it, you know, all the planning normally takes a much longer and then making the cake itself can be several days, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, oh, it probably was not world icing. There's a reason for that. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, so, boy, let's look, what happened in this one? Three people, Miranda, Ruth, and Ed, going down the road of a fruited uh, wedding cake. Uh, fruited wedding cake. Let's talk about that. This is apparently a British thing. Again, I don't know much about British history. Uh, so I guess back in the day, it was that, I guess a traditional British wedding cake is essentially fruit cake, for lack of a better term. In America, we would call it fruit cake. It's kind of dense, kind of dark, um, heavy, uh, and um, has three tiers traditionally. Uh, you, one is for the day itself, a second for the first anniversary and a third tier for the christening, uh, of their first child. So that was kind of the tradition. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this between the things, but uh, I guess actually I'll bring, I'll bring this forward because it's kind of important. Like I heard fruitcake. I'm like, what, why would anyone have a fruitcake at a, as a wedding cake? I don't know. Fruitcake to me is a very, very holiday specific thing here. I don't even love it anyways. But to me, the only time I'd really eat a fruitcake would be like the holidays. Well, I guess, you know, back in the day, like, you know, way, way back in like the Tudor period and stuff like that, um, the 
fruits, you know, I guess you, you didn't have uh, all of the ingredients and stuff. You didn't, cake wasn't cake. It was kind of a bready kind of thing. And uh, they added the fruits to it to give it the kind of the sweetness they added. Uh, eventually, they started adding sugar, which was during the time period wedding cakes became a thing, a luxury. It was really hard to get sugar. Not many people could have it. Only the royal people could uh, could afford it. And so that's why they had it. And and But why fruitcake? Well, again, giving away a little bit of the history part I wanted to talk about, it's, you know, Queen Victoria is, is, was the one that was really known to be kind of the traditional wedding cake you know, OG, the original, right? And she, they use royal icing. Well, royal icing takes a few days to kind of cure almost to get hard enough to, to kind of cut into and, and have. And so the, the cake has to last. It can't be a cake that dries out and gets, gets nasty. So fruitcake was the way to go because that stuff lasts forever. <laughs> it's like a, it's a, the moisture and it's very high, it's very dense. And, and so you can rock, you know, ice it with royal icing and there it is. And by the way, that's where royal icing got its name because it was used on the royal wedding cake. So I did not know that, you know, I used to kind of assume that you know, it's royal, right? But Queen Victoria was the queen of royal icing. So a little history there. So what did they make? Um, watching, I'll just kind of go one by one on some of the, the things I noticed. So with Miranda, uh, she started right away. She didn't even start with making cake. She started by taking her tins and kind of wrapping around the outside with like a brown paper, like a paper bag kind of, kind of paper. Uh, and she does this to help protect it from burning. Uh, you know, I guess I've seen, I remember in one of the master classes, I think Mary did something like that. Um, she, I think hers was more around the inside. Though, if I remember correctly, she had kind of the parchment paper around the inside with a high wall of it like twice the height of the tin to help prevent the top from burning on a cake so miranda her first thing wraps it around the outside this brown paper bag stuff um she did hers uh she, she's the only one i believe that used one batch she had a big bin that was basically where she kept her kids uh uh lego toys and so she used that one huge bin to make one batch for all of her cakes so all of them were made uh, as one batch that's great for consistency right so you you know you're using the same batter in all three cakes uh and so you'll get the similar flavor and, and, and things like that um as she's uh 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 she had an issue with kind of the the, the first uh the, the the sugar uh consistency uh so she made a whole bunch of primroses um was gonna be her outside decoration so on the out her, hers is gonna be kind of three tiers uh, it has like a sugar, they use like a, it's basically fondant for like a better term. And so she used that to kind of cover it and she kind of had some issues and it kind of tore on her a little bit. Uh, and so she had to kind of redo some things with that. But then she made a bunch of primroses out of, out of kind of, you know, sugar primroses is kind of her design. Uh, she, uh, in the end, when I looked at that, it was gorgeous. Like just from, I don't I say gorgeous. It was very elegant. You know, it just had kind of like this nice cheery feel to it. Uh, it, it kind of rang spring, you know, all around it had these little, like very, very soft, delicate yellow primrose flowers, very simple flowers, but all the way around. The only thing I noticed about it, uh, in the end, it was a little wobbly. Like, I don't know, again, this is being pick, pick, picky, right? Like, you know, when you do the little beads of, of icing on the outside, it's kind of a design. Like hers kind of looked a little off. Like it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't very straight on the outside uh, from that perspective so 
I don't know, but it looked kind of nice. It looked cheery uh, and all that. And, um, you know, so I thought overall when, when I saw it, it, it looked pretty darn good. Uh, then Ed, Ed kind of broke tradition a little bit. He went for a, he didn't, he doesn't care for the super, super dark, dense cake. So he went with a little lighter version uh, and he did not use nuts. So I guess tradition has its fruit and nuts, which many fruitcakes, if you're in the U.S., that's kind of it. They have kind of dried fruits as well as nuts. And he kind of went with a lighter version of it, uh, not quite as dense, maybe a little, little more cakey and no nuts in it. He ended up doing two different mixes. Um, you know, and he kind of, when, when he made his cakes, and you, a big important part of this is is the leveling, right? So you got to make sure your tiers are level. It's very important in like the looks of the cake as well as, you know, making sure it's structurally sound. And so there's a lot of doweling that happens. You know, they, they, they put these dowels in them. They cut the dowels to the right length. And then they put these like you know, little, little Roman pillar looking things to give it kind of the decoration look. Well, we made his first kind of cakes, he's, and it's definitely a little wonky. Um, it was one is a little wonky. And so he just did, I mean, very simply, essentially used almond paste or, or whatever, or, or mazarpan. I couldn't tell what it was uh, to actually kind of fill in the gap and kind of level it out. I thought it was kind of clever. I mean, probably what I would have done as well, but he seemed to do it much more effectively. And uh, he uh, also decorated kind of, I'm going to say spring-like, it's made some really nice kind of pretty simple, very simple daisies, uh, kind of a perfect touch of informal and formal because he had the daisies kind of there, a few little clusters of them, different sizes, uh, but then he used kind of ribbon. It looked like almost uh, just a actual ribbon, but maybe also some chocolate ribbon. I couldn't tell what he made it out of uh, around it to kind of give it the elegance. So it, the, the daisies gave it kind of the informal spring vibrant feel. The ribbon kind of gave it the gravitas and the uh, the the nice uh, I'm gonna call it formality of a wedding cake, and so I thought he did a nice job with it. Um, and so you know, not, not a bad job in his perspective. And then Ruth, uh, she didn't quite do traditional either. Either she did different mixes for each layer. Um, but man, one thing I noticed about her, she was so fast. Like she seemed very efficient and comfortable in the kitchen just like wh whipping ahead of the others a little bit in terms of like getting stuff into the, uh, um, into the oven. Uh, she, uh, was making, um, sugar flowers. So, I mean, I was watching her make these and she wasn't really super happy with them. Paul looks at it and goes, those were fantastic. Like, you know, they looked really good. They were definitely, uh, I'm gonna say a cut above in terms of the elegance and the, and you know, the, Miranda's primroses and Ed's daisies looked really simple versus kind of the roses and stuff she created with with uh, kind of sugar paste or whatever she used to make them. Uh, all in all, her cake looked very simple but so elegant. Like the outside of it had kind of, imagine like a, it almost looked stitched in some places. Like it had almost like little pinpricks that looked like a, imagine a pillow that had like stitches. It, it kind of gave that look to it. Uh, she did a really great job with it. Uh, her flowers were definitely the most complex. There weren't as many of them, but they were so, so beautiful looking and elegant. It really, really called wedding cake to me. Uh, so out of these, they kind of did this a little weird in, in their judging. 
they would they kind of just judged each cake kind of individually um they did uh uh some, some what what sort did they say about them for Miranda's it was uh you know he kind of liked that cluster of flowers he just said fantastic uh you know the taste and the flavor very consistent across the three because she used the same batter kind of boozy and rich uh and Miranda's was actually one that Mary felt was the kind of the winner for that one and then uh for Roos um it was you know obviously as I said, romantic and elegant. I think that was the critique, which I think was very appropriate because hers definitely had that romantic feel to it versus the others were beautiful as well, but definitely more cheery, I would say, than, than romantic. Um, she had one of her cakes because uh, she used separate mixes for each layer. One of the cakes, the fruit kind of sat at the bottom a little bit. It looked like it sunk. Maybe it's a little thinner and just didn't have the, the, the heft to hold the fruit up. Um, but in the end, Paul chose... Ruth's, he thought, hit here's the best. So that leaves Ed's. So what do they say about Ed's? Um, it was very stunning and simple, uh, definitely lighter. Uh, and uh, one of the cakes is actually a little overdone. So I think maybe that kind of sunk him. And Paul did say he really liked nuts. So the fact that he didn't use them maybe set him back in flavor for Paul. And I think Mary just liked Miranda's better overall. So anyways, that's how kind of how it all broke down. It was fun to watch them make these cakes because again i don't uh, you you got a little history like uh of what they've done and like ruth is actually making a wedding cake for her sister and well this was you know i guess it's in the past now but you know what i meant uh she was talking about having to make one for her in several months and she was a little nervous about it and this obviously showed that she could knock it out of the park she did a very very nice job with it uh and uh it was kind of fun to watch them uh, do something maybe a little bit out of their, outside their comfort zone for sure. So, all right. So let's let's talk a little bit. Jumping ahead, but sort of back a little bit. That again, I said that typical wedding cake is a uh, kind of a fruit cake. You know, flour, eggs, diced fruit, spices, nuts, brandy. Uh, they use treacle often. To, that, that we've talked about that in, in one of these master classes recently. Kind of a molassesy looking kind of thing. Uh, to give it that brown color and they're so dense they can take like four hours to bake so a lot of bake time on these and so it's part of that 11 hours just sitting waiting i guess um the history of the wedding cake they talked about and i, I mentioned a little bit uh kind of over 500 years ago really during that tudor period uh they had kind of a picture that uh, a painted picture that kind of showed uh you know a wedding and they were kind of holding these look almost like uh pasty looking things they're kind of flat looking bread like cakes and they went paul went actually went to someone that did like the traditional methods and kind of you know like a historian baker kind of person and they went through and made it and like the outside of it is almost like a it was like a bread like it, it was very very bread like in the way they make it and the outside kind of had like a hard outside crust but then kind of inside underneath it there was kind of that softer cakey fruited area and that's kind of what they they tasted and ate and paul actually really liked it he thought it was kind of kind of good um the uh sugar uh, was starting to be added uh, around the 11th century um it was kind of a, and it remained a luxury uh for like 600 years <laughs> like you know people the sugar wasn't really available to most folks um i'm very curious 
you know, poor people could not afford, or, you know, it's like poor people, common people could not afford sugar. Uh, it was really a royalty kind of thing. I wonder, they didn't really talk about this, but I wonder, did they try something like honey or something available to them in their, in their, in their local environment to, to make these kind of cakes? I would have thought that maybe they could have substituted and had kind of a cake you know, taking that recipe instead of sugar using like a honey or something like that and made similar kind of cakes. We didn't really talk about that. I was curious. Uh, one of the things I found really interesting was that for the historical cakes, they they actually added a little bit of musk, like, you know, from like animal musk. I don't, it was, I guess, but supposedly an aphrodisiac. It seems like a weird tradition, but they kind of added that, but they, they kind of, Obviously, that would be really, really pungent. So they added a, you know, rose water to it to kind of, I guess, kind of neutralize it a little bit. But uh, so those were a couple of ingredients that ended up in there. And sometimes they would put rosemary on it uh, because rosemary is an evergreen and eternal. So it kind of symbolized uh, the eternal uh, love that was to be born from the marriage. Which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so they talk about uh tiered cakes uh and the uh where that kind of came from well I, apparently there was an 1840s there was someone that uh kind of came up with it uh i guess the history of it was kind of like the there was uh the story is there's a saint bride's church and you look at the spire on top of it and it kind of looks like tears and so a baker wanted to make a beautiful, beautiful cake for his his bride and that's what he chose he chose those kind of tears that was supposedly inspired by this church. And so that thought that was kind of neat and romantic as well. Uh, in the 1840s, uh, you know, uh, things started to get popular as sugar became uh, more available. Uh, Queen Victoria, uh, which we talked about a little bit here, made kind of the first, I'm going to say, super elegant wedding cake. It was about 300 pounds, nine feet in circumference. Uh, royal icing got its name from the icing that they prepared to put on this cake. Uh, during World War II, they had a whole interesting segment on the World War II challenges because World War II obviously meant rationing and the ingredients to make these cakes and stuff were, you know, were, was not really available. Uh, you know, this at this time, you know, Fruit cake or whatever you call it, the you know, the fruited cake is still the way cakes are made because of this royal icing. It takes time to to cure. Um, they had a neat person on there, Marguerite Patton. Uh, she was like a uh, person that would basically share how to make the most of your rations during the war, and she had all kinds of creative ways of um, making things like a wedding cake and and how you could could uh, use certain substitutes uh, to, to help make a cake uh, during those difficult times. They even had a really neat thing where, okay, so you'd have like a very, very simple basic cake, uh, no decoration really or anything like that, that was kind of like your actual cake that you would serve to eat. But then they would cover it over with like a cardboard, fully decorated cake made out of like plaster of Paris. It's, it looked really pretty. But it was just kind of like one they would put over the top to make it look very, very elegant. And then the actual little cake underneath was kind of the one you would eat. It's almost like having a really fun, beautiful, small cake at your wedding to show off. But then you have sheet cakes out back that you that you dole out to, to actually eat. Um, again, you got to do what you got to do during tough times. But 
I think it's a good idea in general. Maybe you have kind of like your showpiece and then you know, can make the other cake really delicious and simple. Because sometimes those really decorated cakes with a lot of fondant can taste kind of gross. Like that fondant can get really kind of tough. And uh, I'd rather have like a really well-made, simple cake as for, for eating. So I thought it was really kind of neat though. Let's see. What else was talked about from a historical point of view that was interesting? The, um, oh, just, uh, they, they jumped to, to later on in history, the evolution of the wedding cake, which, so in the 1980s was kind of when things went away a little bit from the tradition. So tradition was that fruited cake, kind of three main reasons. One, the economy was good. There was a lot of, uh, people had extra money, so could experiment with different things. There was a desire for design. Uh, you know, people had a, a you know kind of a thirst for designer things, and so people sought out these fancy wedding cake makers. And then the big evolution, sugar paste, which I think what is today we call fondant. Uh, I was trying to catch that. I heard that term used several times, like sugar paste. What is what is sugar paste? And then I see what they're doing with it. And it's like, oh, that's fondant. They're rolling out the fondant and stuff like that. So, but that, what that did is instead of putting royal icing on cakes and letting it have to dry for several days, you could now quickly make any kind of cake you wanted and quickly cover it with this fondant. And you had something edible, soft, pliable, easy to, easier to work with. And uh, your cake could be made kind of the day before and it wouldn't be that big of a deal and still have its you know, integrity. Um, it was kind of neat. They, they had a few people they interviewed. And so I also went and looked them up. One was Peggy Portion. Never heard of her before. Uh, they went in and uh, they kind of met with her. She was kind of a designer cake maker. And she would take like, like here's a sample of lace from a bride's dress. She would kind of lay it over the cake, use a, a, a needle to kind of out, you know, just pinprick an outline of the things, then kind of lightly sketch it in with the tip of a needle to, so she got almost like a tattoo artist right and then she would kind of go around and make all the icing to make it look like the bride's dress which i thought was oh my gosh the amount of work that one of that had to be just so 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 much uh so i looked her up so this would again this have been whenever the first season of bake off was 2010 11 whatever it was and so still around so peggy peggy portion she was young in the in the show so i'm not surprised by that by any means but i'm is she still focused on cakes well what they say uh is their kind of motto is storytelling through the canvas of cake so it's not necessarily just wedding cakes uh which it looked like it was wedding cakes kind of from the from the original uh, airing of this episode she looked like she's branched out a little bit and really really taken the, the cake thing a whole nother level i guess she has cafes as well uh and you know where i'm quotes cupcake heaven uh according to vanity fair so if i'm ever back in the uk i certainly am going to look up peggy portion uh find her on instagram as well and i'm going to follow them and and hopefully look for inspiration uh so at the turn of the century is kind of when they started again we're able to start to move away from that royal icing uh to the to the more traditional cakes that we know today uh, they had a chocolatier as well, Paul A. Young. Great last name, by the way. Uh, it's my last name, in case you didn't know that. Uh, and so they kind of talked to him. He's he, around making chocolate cakes, and it showed... It was really neat, neat to watch him kind of do it. It scares... That kind of work scares the heck out of me. Um, just the, the laying out, the tempering it appropriate, appropriately. 
getting it flat and still having it pliable so you can kind of wrap it around the cake and all the different shapes and stuff he was making, it gave me anxiety just watching him because I'm like, I would have chocolate everywhere for one. It would be cracking and falling. It, I, I've got many, many years from now before I'm even going to think about any kind of chocolate work like this. It looked just so easy to him, obviously a chocolatier. Um, he's still around as well and very popular. Uh, has uh, some stores as well as uh, written a couple books, Adventures with Chocolate and Sensational Chocolate, which actually had 50 recipes for a bunch of celebrities um, as well. So definitely look him up. So Peggy Portion, P-O-R-S-C-H-E-N, and Paul A. Young were a couple of people they interviewed on the show, which I thought were kind of interesting. Okay, so the second cake they made. Second cake, they were just kind of allowed to go wild, which I thought was kind of nice. You know, it's just basically make a contemporary, your contemporary version of a wedding cake, whatever it is. So very, very different approaches by all three. Um, Miranda, uh, Miranda Kent was, I would say, the most traditional. She did go with a regular, I want to say cake, chocolate cake. Uh, actually, sorry, it was white chocolate rose cake was what it was. And she makes this cake, I guess, a lot for, for her friends and stuff whenever there's a special occasion. Um, it is, it looked, the batter was not super, super dark looking. It, it was definitely chocolate cake, right? But just from the a, a visual, a little lighter than I would expect for a full-blown heavy chocolate cake, right? Um, she used four different toppings, which I thought was bold. Uh, buttercream icing. A white chocolate ganache, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, sugar paste, roses, so fondant roses, and then fresh roses. So they actually had real flowers kind of on the outside of the cake. Um, Ruth went with a lemon curd is her kind of thing. So she went with a kind of lemon meringue uh, pie is her kind of her base, right? So with that, it was um, using short crust pastry. Uh, she had a bunch of little mini lemon meringue pies, which she wanted to do. Then at the top, a large pastry case um, filled with uh, curd and then a lemon drizzle sponge. She actually had cake in the kind of in the bottom of it, lemon curd, and then everything had this like bright white meringue. And she chose Italian meringue, which can be tricky, uh, which if, if we... We all know, right? Um, it uses that kind of a hot sugar syrup that has to kind of get to that temperature of about 115 degrees. It has to that's when you dump it into the egg whites, is when it's right at 115. Otherwise, you can have problems, like big problems. So that was what she chose. Uh, and you know, she, Paul asks, Are you going to kind of toast it off or what? She's no, gonna leave it that way. She's gonna decorate with glitter and uh something like uh, I'm gonna call them sprinkles for lack of a better term, but like they weren't like colored sprinkles. They're almost like little beads, like little silver beads. Uh, so that was kind of the route she was going to take. Um, like apparently she was well known for glitter during season one. I, I didn't get far enough into season one to know that yet. <laughs> so I, I'll look for that when I go back. And then Ed, all right. I, I didn't really care for Ed's choice here. Now, again, this is Sheldon speaking, so who really cares? But he just basically made macarons and so again all right someone if someone here is listening from the uk please message me have you traditionally in the past called them macaroons i need to know this okay i need to know this because 
like on the show, and even Paul and, and Mary call them macaroons. Now, in the U.S., a macaroon is like a coconut drop cookie. It's like a it's a very chewy sugar and and coconut kind of concoction. That's a macaroon, and that always has been for many, many, many. I would say decades here. I remember when I was a kid, macaroons. Uh, and I'll be honest, when I was a kid, I had no idea what a macaron was. Macaron, not macaroon. And Ed calls it macaron, like the French, you know, macaron. The announcer calls them macaroons, and they spell it macaroon, R-O-O-N. They spell it that way on, like they do the little sketch of what he's making. They spell it macaroon. I have to know is is that a recent thing, like in the last 10 or 15 years, where they actually started distinguishing the two? Um, or is it just they didn't know? Uh, I, I, I just don't get it. Because, you know, I guess now we've been watching Bake Off so long, it's like it's, a macaron is very, very different than a macaroon. So, anywho's, uh, but what Ed basically did was make a bunch of macarons and pin them to a styrofoam tower. I just don't understand that. I mean, to me, that's not really anything fancy. He He's really good at making macarons, so it's a super, super safe choice. Uh, and I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was... I would expect it to be incorporated with something else, not just a bunch of macarons pinned to a styrofoam cone. Uh, I don't know. I just didn't feel like that was a, a great effort to, to, to for a cake. It's not even cake. It's not even close to a cake. I, mean, I, I guess I know Ruth went with pies, but at least that's closer. That's kind of, you could argue it's a sliceable, shareable kind of thing. Or macaron just, or they're essentially just a little cookie. So I don't know. Didn't love his choice. Uh, but he, had, he also came into this having never made it before. He had no idea how many he needed to make. So he just made enough. Uh, it looked good. I mean, his macarons are, are gorgeous. He, he, he did traditional almond flour ones. I think he had a hazelnut flour one as well. So he had some different flavors going on and they looked beautiful and they, his, his macarons were perfect. Uh, you know, so no complaints on the, on the execution of it. I just didn't feel like it was really challenging and, and I don't know if he stretched himself enough for this one for me. Uh, okay. So with that, he ended up making, having to make a 120 of them total. Uh, that's 240 halves. So a whole ton of them like four huge batches of these things so how do they turn out well let's let's go back to miranda white chocolate rose cake um something i learned here again she had she made a white chocolate ganache which looked delicious by the way uh but what we what i learned from it was i guess white chocolate can be really really tricky to make ganache for so so now i want to make it i mean because i i love i do like white chocolate my wife does not ironically but i do um it doesn't it can sometimes be tricky for ganache because it uses cocoa butter not cocoa solids the cocoa butter can sometimes be hard to work with and can sometimes separate and, and create problems you have to be really careful with it uh, in terms of making you, if you do overheat it or, or, or mess up uh, with making that, you're toast. It's it's separate and it's gone. Um, overall, uh, I liked the looks of her her cake, uh, Miranda's cake. It, 
to me again, it looked a little wonky from the decoration perspective. Like it had kind of a, uh, you know, it's pretty, but the, the, the decoration looked a little not quite straight in the in the middle. But you know, I, I'm being super picky. The the lemon curd stuff that uh, Ruth made. The big pastry crust she had looked like it had some issues at the kind of on the top edge of cracking and looked like maybe some things were kind of stuck back together. But overall, uh, there was a, a concern with the Italian meringue. When you saw her piping it, it looked a little, you know, Paul had said, has this split? Because it, it kind of looked like it started to split because it looked a little lumpy or, or bubbly. And but he looked at the bowl and it was still held together, uh, but it didn't it didn't come out super super smooth. Uh, but that really didn't seem to matter because it, it piped on just fine. It didn't it didn't fall. It didn't collapse on itself. And once she put like the the cute glitter on it and the little beads, it looked really pretty. It looked very very fun. And she had kind of a you know stacked on towers with a big kind of yellow ribbon involved and. Overall, I really liked hers from a just a, a wow presentation factor, and, and they did as well. They, came, you know, Mary even said it was very had very much the wow factor to it, uh, and she had a lot of technical aspects of it. Like she had all kinds of stuff going on pastry crust, which Paul loved. Uh, he said this pastry crust is amazing, and it looked really good. The um, she had the curd, she had the meringue, and she had the sponge. She had like four pretty difficult elements in there. Uh, so hers, to me, popped out really well. And then Ed's, again, the macarons were great. Everyone liked them and stuff. I just, again, and it was, and then the colors were pretty. Like the his finish on those macarons, he had some kind of almost a dusted finish on it. Looked great. I just didn't think it was really anything special. And in the end, I don't think they did either because something, okay, so they kind of asked who they each preferred and, and uh, uh, um, Mary said Miranda's and Paul said Ruth. And I'm like, okay, great. So, so, who, so who wins? Uh, I guess they both do because they didn't pick one. <laughs> It just, it was, uh, actually, no, at, at the end, they, the, the, when those names I just gave you were like, who do you think, oh, did it best overall? They were taking both into account. And one said Ruth, one said Miranda, but they didn't decide. They, so there was no winner, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, you know, they had them come there and compete, baking one cake for 11 hours, baking another cake for five hours, and there was no winner. And no, there was no prize or trophy or anything. It just kind of said, I preferred Ruth. Well, I preferred Miranda. All right, then. We're done here. <laughs> that was kind of the end of the show. Um, so I don't know. It's their first season. So maybe they're still figuring stuff out, obviously. Uh, I just thought that was a super weird way to kind of have a, 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 quote, competition between these finalists and, and then not pick anyone. I'm like, all right, I guess we're done. Uh, so, but all, overall, though, I like the the episodes. So I recommend watching it if you haven't. You're interested in cake and the history of it, and and uh, watching them make some pretty cool uh, uh, renditions of traditional British cake, Br British wedding cake, and then their own contemporary designs. Uh, lots of fun stuff. So, very very fun. All right, next week, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to take a look. 
Hoping my friend Allison's uh, gonna come out of, the, out of out of the woods here pretty soon. She's been. I, I mean, I could go in. She could go into the stories uh, right now, just what she's been dealing with. So hopefully we see her back and they're able to, to have some. Until then, I'll keep curating some episodes. Um, we'll see. I want to talk to her. I'm, I may dive into juniors. Um, I I don't know. I like the juniors. Uh, and I think she does too, though. So maybe I'll wait. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and then uh, we'll hop into some of the other stuff. I got tons of stuff to look into here for us. So hopefully you're you're digging it and having joined the conversation a little bit. Feel free to engage. We have Instagram. Send us some stuff there. Come on, hop over and send an email if you want. Uh, we have a Facebook page too, all that fun stuff. You know, uh, Let us know kind of what you're thinking of the episodes. Let me know what you'd like to hear, what you'd like to hear less of. All that fun stuff would be great feedback for me to, to curate and make a great show for you. Uh, and we can go from there. So looking forward to seeing you next time on Scrummy Handshakes. Bye-bye. <laughs>